John chapter 6, and we'll read together the verses 1 through 40. Hear then the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes and and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? 
Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So far from our scripture reading. We'll now turn together to the Heidelberg Catechism. This afternoon we'll look at Lord's Day 50. Congregation, what does the fourth petition mean? Give us this day our daily bread means. Provide for all our physical needs so that we may recognize that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our care and work nor your gifts can do us any good without your Brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm sure you'll agree with me that our lives are filled with bread. And there may be some of us here who actually love bread so much that we have a very specific type of bread that we like. I know for myself there's a very specific loaf of bread that my wife buys from Costco that I just love above everything else. Taste and texture is is spot on. And there's so much bread around us, so many options to choose from, so many options indeed that we can have our favorite loaf of bread, that daily bread is something which we can so easily take for granted. We can so easily lose sight of the fact that even something as basic as daily bread is a blessing which comes from the hand of our Heavenly Father. And of course, we could expand our thinking a little bit and realize that it's not just the bread which is a blessing, but consider the whole process that it takes to get bread on the table at all. And boys and girls, I wonder if any of you would be able to tell me all the different steps that it takes to get bread onto the table in your homes. You can think about the farmer who first has to plant seed in his field, 
and then that has to grow into the plant of grain, and then it has to be harvested, and then brought to the mill, and ground into flour, and, and brought to the baker, and baked into bread, and then sent to the store, and then finally you go to the store, buy that bread, take it home to yourself. And I'm sure I probably actually forgot a step along the way somewhere too. There's, there's so much more involved than we even think, and not just bread itself, but all these steps, we can just right away assume that, well, of course, they will happen the way they're supposed to. Of course, these things will continue. They've always done that. But then when we come to our Lord's Day this afternoon, when we hear the explanation of the fourth petition, we're once again reminded that without the blessing of the Lord, every step of the way, there would be no bread on our tables. And it's not only bread, and it's not only all the steps involved with bread, but our catechism reminds us all, all of our physical needs come to us from the hand of God, from the hand of our Heavenly Father. And so when we pray the fourth petition, God reminds us, first of all, that He is this, this overflowing fountain of all good. God comes to us, He reminds us that it is, it is He who gives us even daily bread. And he reminds us once again to take our trust and put it only in him, knowing that he is the great provider for all of our needs. And so I preach you God's word with this theme, trust in the Lord, for he will provide. And we'll see two things, bread for today and also bread for eternity. As we sang from Psalm 104, Earlier in the service, we saw this beautiful confession which the psalmist makes there of how God is the great provider for all of his creatures. If we look at Psalm 104 in the verse 5 that we sang, it says there, He, that's God, makes grass grow for cattle and plants for man to cultivate. God is the one who makes grass to grow. That's a striking thought, and it was especially striking for me. And the reason is this past summer, there was a few bare patches of, of dirt in my backyard, and I was trying to sow a little seed and grow some grass back in these patches of, of dirt in my yard. And if any of you have ever planted seed or perhaps flowers or vegetables or whatever it is, then you'll be able to relate to this as well. You know, how, how do you grow something? Well, you start with a seed or maybe a, a bulb or a, a seedling. You plant it in the ground. And then you might add some fertilizer. You might add a little bit of water. But then what do you do? Well, you just wait. You wait, and then a couple weeks later, sure enough, up from the ground comes the grass or the flower or the vegetables or whatever you've planted in your garden. And now we could just say, well, yes, of course, that's going to happen. That's what always happens when you put grass seed in the ground. It grows. But as we sang from Psalm 104, we were reminded that this isn't just the natural process. There's actually someone behind that process, and that someone is God. It is actually God who is the one who causes the very grass to grow from the ground and, and all the plants that he gives for man to cultivate. You know, we might plant the seed. We might water a little bit, but truly it is only God the Father who gives growth to these things. 
And so we also sang in Psalm 104 in verse 9. It says there, all creatures look to you, Lord, waiting for the food they need. All the creatures of this world, us included, you know, we depend entirely on God. God is the great provider. He is the one who sustains creation. And if we cast our minds for a moment back to the, the very beginning, when God created the earth and when he, he formed the Garden of Eden and when he put Adam and Eve in that garden, this is the exact way that he had provided for his people from the very beginning. We read in Genesis 1, verse 29, God said to Adam and Eve, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Already in the Garden of Eden, God was the one providing for his people, causing the plants to grow. And God continued to do this. We can think after the garden, when he had swept away the whole world, save Noah and his family in the flood. So Noah comes out of the ark with his family, and God gives another amazing promise to Noah. He says in Genesis 8:22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. That's it's really an amazing promise to think that God, so many thousands of years ago, promised to Noah and to, to all the world that seed time and harvest would continue. And if we think about ourselves today, this is one of those promises that God is faithful to and a promise we still reap the benefit from quite literally. God is our great provider. He's the one who causes these plants to grow. And when we pray the fourth petition, this is the first thing which should come into our mind, a recognition, as the Catechism says, a recognition that God is the only source of everything good. The recognition that were it not for God, were it not for the continual care and blessing he bestows in his creation, even something seemingly as basic as daily bread would be lacking from our homes and from our tables. And as we read from John chapter 6 this afternoon, God revealed to us in his son Jesus Christ just how capable and how powerful he really is to provide us with our daily bread. As we read that passage, we saw with nothing more than those five loaves of bread, those two fish, Jesus Christ, he feeds this crowd of 5,000 people. Jesus Christ, you know, the Son of God, the one whom God created the world through, the one who holds all things together by his power. He demonstrates that power so clearly in, in John by miraculously feeding these people. He shows to us how capable he and his Father are to provide for something as, as basic as bread. And the people seated there that day, those 5,000 people on all that green grass, they see the miracle, and they know that a sign has taken place. They know that this is something miraculous, which Jesus Christ had done. And so it says in verse 14 of John chapter 6, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet 
who is to come into the world. Christ provided in a miraculous way for those people. And when we think about our own lives, when we think about the people that we, we know, when it comes to something like miracles, even though we might not be the people who typically see miraculous things happen, we might not be the people who typically even believe that miracles still take place today, I'm sure that many of us here this afternoon have heard stories of people whom God has provided for in a most wonderful way, in a way which is seemingly miraculous and powerful. And I can give a short example. Not that long ago, one of my own friends shared this story with me. He told me that he and his wife, they just so happened to be short in their monthly budget. They came to the end of the month, they had one more grocery trip to go, and they could tell that they were about $100 short of where they should be for that month. And so before they went to call their deacon, they decided to sort through the mail that had come that day. And as they opened up the mail, there was also a card there. My friend had done some work for one of his friends earlier on, and they had wanted to express their appreciation. So they sent them a little thank you note, and along with it, there was a $100 grocery gift card to express thanks to my friend. Now, of course, we could just take this as another one of those times where a coincidence has taken place, where a chance happening has occurred. But for those of us with eyes to see, the hand of our Almighty God really can't be missed in a situation like that. If we think about God, who is the one who causes the very grass to grow from the ground, this is the God who is able to provide in every area of our life. You know, things don't come to us by chance. They come to us by the fatherly hand of Almighty God. And knowing these things, the Catechism also teaches us that it is this God, it is this Heavenly Father in whom we are called to place all of our trust. And we can ask ourselves this afternoon, is that also true in my own life? Do I put all of my trust in God alone to provide for my physical needs? You know, it can be so easy for us to put our trust elsewhere. It can be so easy to trust the farmers, trust the, the whole food production process, just trust that it will continue and, and keep rolling on as it always has. And maybe there are some of us here this afternoon who who trust more in our, in our bank accounts. We've got money there put away, and there's enough money there to buy bread for years to come. We find our security there. But the question is, where truly is your trust? And not that long ago, God actually put us all to the test in a very amazing way to see where our trust was. I wonder how many of us remember the toilet paper shortages in the stores. And of course, it wasn't just toilet paper. It was many things. People were panic buying. The stores were selling out. Couldn't get enough yeast. Couldn't get enough flour. If someone saw you in the store taking more than they thought you should, they would get angry at you because they wanted to take a little bit extra for themselves as well. 
And I heard stories of people getting so angry in these stores because they couldn't get what they wanted. They couldn't gather more for the time that was coming when they thought there would be a lack. Now, of course, I'm not saying that it was wrong to go to the store and buy a couple extra bags of yeast or flour or whatever it was. But the question that we can ask ourselves is where was your trust? Or did you go to the store in a panic, wanting to snatch up every last thing that you could? Or did you start the day praying, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and then trust, trust that he would, trust that the God who causes the very grass to grow is the one who would provide for you as well. It's not just our daily bread or our physical needs, but the catechism broadens its scope even more, and it tells us that our care and our work, even it, cannot do us any good without the blessing of our Heavenly Father. And when we read that too, it's hard not to think about Psalm 127. We also sang that psalm before the sermon this afternoon. Psalm 27, the psalmist confesses, unless the Lord builds the house... Unless the Lord watches over the city, the builder and the watchman, they labor in vain. And it goes on to speak about working long hours, and it says working long hours, it's really of no use unless God is the one who's blessing your labor, unless he's blessing you every single step of the way, even in the work that we do. And this truth, too, we, we saw displayed so powerfully when we read from John chapter 6 this afternoon. John chapter 6, in verse 16, Jesus' disciples decide that it's, it's time to cross the sea. So they get into the boat, they start across the sea to Capernaum. But what happens in verse 18? Well, the sea becomes rough, the wind starts blowing. And so you can imagine that these disciples, they had rowed three or four miles out into the sea, and then all of a sudden the storm picks up. And sure enough, they're struggling against those oars, doing everything they can to get to the other side of the sea. And boys and girls, I think there's one thing that's important for us to know about these disciples, and that's, of course, that they were fishermen before they started to follow Jesus. The disciples were fishermen. And of all people that should have known how to row a boat across the sea, you know, surely it was these fishermen. And yet they are stranded in this storm until who should come? but Jesus Christ himself walking on the water to their boat. And that's an amazing picture in itself already, Jesus Christ walking on the water. I'm sure we've all been amazed at that as we've read through Scripture, but notice also what happens. Jesus comes to them in verse 20. He says, do not be afraid, and they were glad to take him into the boat. And then it says, immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. That's remarkable. Immediately, Jesus Christ comes to their boat in the midst of this storm where they're, they're struggling to get across the sea, and as soon as Christ is there, they're at the, seal, the shore to where they need to be going. And that's such a powerful image for us all to hold in our minds as we go about our, our daily tasks. And you can just think, you know, whatever work you do, whatever skills you might possess, whatever people you might have employed, whatever technology you might have at your fingertips, 
success in any of these things. It depends on God, on God alone. The catechism tells us all of our care, all of our labor won't do us any good without the blessing of our Heavenly Father. And by now, I think we might be starting to recognize just how often we rely on ourselves, or how often we do rely on the efforts of others to provide us with our physical needs. And I'm sure many of us this afternoon too, myself included, recognize just how often we've prayed this fourth petition without acknowledging the scope of the blessing and the care which our Heavenly Father provides for us. And if this is the case, well then what can we do but come to our Heavenly Father and repent of this? Repent for not fully trusting in Him every step of the way, for blessing us in our labors, but also even in our daily bread. And we can know too that our Heavenly Father we come to him, we confess that we haven't always trusted him as we should. Well, that's a prayer that our Father loves to hear. You can just think about your own life if you have children. Just imagine one day, maybe your child has grown up a little bit, and one day they come to you and they tell you, you know, mom or dad, I just never realized how much effort you put into my life. I never realized how much work you you gave to, to raise me, to sustain me, to support me in every way. But now that I'm older, I see it, and I'm just so thankful to you for the great blessing which you have been in my life, providing for me in this way. And I think if you're a parent, that's something that you would just love to hear your children say to you. And how much more, brothers and sisters, how much more wouldn't God love to hear you come to him in confession and say, Lord, I haven't always trusted in you the way that I should, but I recognize that now and I once again commit myself to trust fully in you and fill me with your spirit to be able to acknowledge that this is the case, to to look to you only, to put my total dependence in you. That's a prayer that God will hear and God will answer. And when we pray to God in that way, we can also confess just how grateful we are, how joyful we are that God is the one who provides for us. And we can trust. Trust in God, knowing assuredly that He truly is the only source of all good and that He will provide for our needs and that He will provide us with bread. Bread for today and also bread for all of eternity. One question which we do well to ask regarding the fourth petition is, why? Why does Christ teach us to pray regularly? Give us this day our daily bread. You know, is it true that we pray this petition simply so that our bellies will be filled with physical food? Do we maybe pray this petition in order that we'll live a, a comfortable life, blessed with what we think we need? Maybe a little more comfortable even than our neighbors? 
Well, no, that's not the point of this petition, brothers and sisters. This petition isn't about living a comfortable life with many material blessings. Even this petition is about serving God, first of all. How do we know that's the case? Well, consider the, petition, the position of the fourth petition. It comes after the first three, and what are the first three? Well, it's hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. All directed to God, and only then does Christ teach us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so Christ is teaching us, we pray for daily bread so that, so that we can carry out the other petitions which he's given us, the petitions which focus on God, on hallowing his name, on on living in his kingdom. You know, we pray for daily bread so that we can glorify God, also for the way that he provides for us in our lives. We pray for daily bread so that we'll have the strength, the ability to carry out God's will for us in his kingdom, so that his kingdom might come into the world more and more. And so praying the fourth petition, you know, it isn't about us, first of all. It's about God. It's about recognizing that God is the source of all good, as we've seen. But it's also about praying for our daily bread so that we'll be able, through the blessing that God provides, to seek after his kingdom, to seek after his righteousness. Think about those words of Jesus Christ, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And Jesus teaches us this in John chapter 6 as well. We come to verse 22 now. The crowd who has been following Jesus Christ, the crowd that had been miraculously fed by him, the next day they go looking for Jesus Christ. And after a while, they manage to find him, and he's on the other side of the sea. And so they come up to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, how did you get here? And Jesus doesn't answer their question the way we might expect. It's rather remarkable. John 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. A remarkable way Jesus Christ exposes the motives of these people in the crowd. Why had they gone looking for Jesus? Well, he says it's because they had had their bellies filled. They were seeking Jesus Christ simply because of this material blessing that he had given them. But then what does Jesus tell them? He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. And so we can ask ourselves here as well, why did Jesus Christ feed these people? Well, it wasn't just to fill their bellies with food. Jesus fed them so that they could see that he was God to see that he was the Messiah, the one come down from heaven in the flesh. Jesus did this sign so that they might believe in him, believe that he was the one who had come from his heavenly Father. And when we see the crowds, they just don't understand. Verse 28, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. 
The work of God was to believe that Jesus Christ was there, not simply to fill their bellies with physical food, but to fill their very souls with spiritual food. And what is that food? Well, of course, that food is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus tells us so plainly in verse 33, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say to him, give us this bread always. And then Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And when we hear those words of Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Never hunger, never thirst. Well, we know, brothers and sisters, that we get hungry in this life, that we thirst. You know, we eat a meal three times a day. Unless you're young and growing, then it's probably more like five or six times a day that you have to eat. You know, the food of this life, it's so temporary, so fleeting, so unsatisfying in the long run. And then Jesus Christ comes and he says, I have bread that will feed you for all eternity, bread that you can eat that will make you never hunger again and even never thirst again. You know, the, the, the desire, the longing in our souls to be filled is filled by Jesus Christ himself. This is why God made us. God created mankind to have fellowship with him, to be united with him, to share in the joy of the, the creator God. You can think of a Lord's Day, like Lord's Day 3. Why did God create man? And it gives us three reasons. God created mankind to know God, to love God, and to live in eternal blessedness with God. You know, God created us to fill us with himself. And he sent bread down from heaven. He sent Jesus Christ into the world to do exactly that. We can read in verse 39 of John chapter 6. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So, brothers and sisters, have you tasted the bread that has come down from heaven, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ? Or do you believe that Jesus Christ was sent into the world by the Father, that whoever looks on him and believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life, and be raised on the last day? Do you believe that the very body of Jesus Christ was broken, his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins? And do you believe, too, that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, glorified in heaven, so we, too, through faith in Christ, by believing on him, will be raised with him on the last day and brought into the glory of his heavenly Father? feast on that bread. Go to Jesus Christ, believe in him, and you will be fed for all of eternity. And when we know 
that this is God's will for our lives, then it gives us a, a wonderful perspective when we pray the fourth petition as well. And we don't go to God with, with the fourth petition simply so that our bellies will be filled. We ask for our daily bread so that we can seek after his kingdom, seek after his righteousness, seek after that heavenly bread, Jesus Christ himself, and then work in his kingdom and seek after his righteousness. And if this is the way that we come to the Lord's Prayer and we come to the fourth petition, then I wonder what you'll ask for. I wonder what you'll desire that God would bless you with when it comes to praying the fourth petition. Well, I don't think we'll pray for extravagance, but I think we'll pray for exactly what we need. There was a wise man in the book of Proverbs, a man named Agur, and he gave us a beautiful proverb in, in Proverbs 30, verse 8. He says this, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal, profane the name of my God. Provide what is needful for me. What a beautiful prayer. And what a blessing it is to know that as our Heavenly Father, the one who who causes the very grass to grow, the one who is the great provider, the fountain of all good, that we can put our trust in him, that we can believe that he will provide us with exactly what we need. And he's shown to us just how rich his provision is by sending Jesus Christ, by sending that true bread from heaven. And so, brothers and sisters, let us work for that bread. Let us work for the belief, the desire to follow Jesus Christ and then trust that as we pursue this goal, God will provide for exactly what we need in our walk with him and with his, his son, Jesus Christ. And if we do, we know that this day is coming. And once again, we'll see Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven, descend to earth to take us all to be with him. And then what has he promised us? Well, we know from the prophet Isaiah, Christ has promised a rich feast in heaven. You know, a feast of rich food. Food in abundance for everyone in this life who is satisfied with the true bread from heaven, the bread which is Jesus Christ. Go to Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Feast on that bread and be fed for all eternity. Amen. Let's turn to God in prayer. <clears throat> our Father, who is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Provide what is needful for us each and every day, so that we might acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good. Provide for us what we need to seek after our Lord Jesus Christ, to seek that true heavenly bread. Provide what we need to believe in Jesus Christ. And we also pray that you would provide for us what is needful in our physical life as we go about the work which you have called us to in your kingdom. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and then trust that you will provide in exactly the way we need for our bodies. 
For Lord God, you have shown us to be a God who provides richly. You have shown the abundance of your provision by sending our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the true bread from heaven that we might believe in him, that we might come to him and so never thirst or hunger again. Heavenly Father, your grace is amazing. Your love is unmatched. And we pray that you would fill us more and more with faith in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might be richly satisfied in him. And we ask also, Lord God, that you would give us contentment with what you do bless us within this life. Help us to trust that whatever you provide is exactly what we need. And help us also to pray the fourth petition with great confidence, knowing that you are our faithful and loving Heavenly Father, a Father who will provide for us in amazing and wonderful ways. And Heavenly Father, we also ask that you would bless the offerings which we will bring in this worship service. Help us to have joy to also share with the many blessings that you give us. Share with those in need. And we ask that you would give our deacons the wisdom to distribute your gifts with wisdom, doing good to all men, and especially to those in the household of God. And we pray this all. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.